0: Heavenly Father, we're so grateful, as we have recognized already today, that we can call you Father. What a personal term, and truly you are. So many worship and follow and serve a a self-created God that is anything but personal. I thank you, Lord, that we don't create you. You created us, and you are not distant and unaware or unconcerned. You're nothing of the negative attributes that we many times find in ourselves. You are the definition of love. And you have chosen to relate to us as a personal God. How grateful we are for that. So many of us know what it is to walk in that relationship day by day. And we thank you personally for what that means. But so much more than what that means to us individually you have made that all inclusive in creating relationships that we are to have not just with you but with each other as you have with each one of us that we might be called children of God plural family joining together in your name you make us a family would you teach us more just a little more about what that means today. In Jesus' name, amen. As I just prayed, I would like to talk about what it is to be a spiritual family. Just one thing I want to get across to you today. It has many aspects, and and so I'm going to use a little illustration to help us see that, there's much to this it could be explored forever, but just basically one simple but really life-altering truth of being considered a spiritual family. Now, I have a very dangerous way of doing that. I'd like to talk about vacations this morning. Doesn't that sound like a pleasant subject? Let's talk about vacations. Here's the danger. You're already on vacation. You just took off. You just went, whoa. That picture that's up on the screen is a picture that Will and Terry Haney took while they were in Hawaii on their recent vacation. Will is back in Hawaii right now thinking about how great his vacation was and where it went and why it seemed so long ago. But at the risk of you drifting off into thinking, oh, it's going to be so great, I would like to use that to help us understand something about what it is to be a spiritual family. What is it about vacations that's so appealing? We all want a good vacation, don't we? Of course, sometimes we can have bad vacations. They make movies about those. Uh, But we all want a good vacation. What makes a great vacation? A couple of thoughts. I think the destination... Can have a lot to do with it, right? You want to go to a good place. I remember in Italy one time we decided to have a staycation, right? We hear about those nowadays. Uh, We lived near the sea at this one particular time, and uh, so um, things were a little tight at that time, and 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 we told people we were going to be on vacation. We didn't lie to anybody. We just didn't go anywhere because we could go to the beach every day, right? So we decided to do that. Of course, I wouldn't lie to you up here anyway, right? You understand that. But this is true story. 8 o'clock, the first day of that vacation, there was a guy two stories up in our apartment building that had a chisel in one hand, a hand in the other, and a watch on this hand. And at 8 o'clock, he went, bang, bang, bang. bang. They were renovating this place. Every single morning for that vacation, on the button at 8 o'clock, he started going, bang bang, and they renovated this whole thing. It was a disaster staycation. It was terrible. A destination helps a great deal, a good one, right? The other thing that's great about vacations are the people, right? You want to spend time with them. So, the destination, some want adventure, some want entertainment, some some want rest and relaxation, some want lots of, Family time and, and, and sharing and laughing and enjoying each other. Some want solitude and no interruptions. It can look like any number of things, but there is a destination that we all look forward to. And then there's the people. You choose to spend time with people you really like and love and want to be with. I, I trust that's true about your vacations, that you get to go on vacation with those you really want to go on vacation with. See, because in that, there's, there's promise there's, there's promise that this is going to be good for all of us. We need this. Every once in a while, you've got to do this. And that there's a place, and there's a good place to do this, good place to be together. And that there's time together, that it's going to be just for us. You know, so many things pull us apart, but now, now this is just for us to be together. And then it's going to be fun. We're going to do stuff together. Do you feel like you're talking to your kids, trying to talk them into what this is like sometimes when they say they don't want to go somewhere? No, 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 this is going to be great because we're going to do all this together. And, and then it's going to be for all of us. There's going to be something for each and every person. There's a lot to this. Let me take it apart a little bit at a time. You see, first of all, there's the promise. There's, um, there's this expectation that others have in their minds. And the first thing we want to notice is that when we know where we're all going in this destination, we need to make sure we all go, right? Because there's this expectation. Little ones and big ones are thinking, this is going to be great, we're going to go to the beach, and we're going we're to be on a beach making sandcastles, we're going to have a great time, right? Unfortunately, sometimes this is what happens. Yeah, we're there, but we're, we're not all there, if you know what I mean. This is the first of many ways that a vacation, a destination can be ruined. There's tremendous disappointment when there's the promise, but then there's no follow-through. And promise without follow-through breaks the spirit, no matter what the intention might be. Luke chapter 10 tells us uh, the story of a man who came to Jesus, and uh, he says at the beginning of of this chapter, uh, or partway through, sorry, verse 25, an expert of the law comes to Jesus. He says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, "Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and strength. with all your uh, With all your mind, and, and love your neighbor as yourself." And the Lord says, "Well, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Do it. You, you know it now. Do it." But wanting to justify himself, he said, "Who Who is my neighbor, anyway?" Now, we usually uh, come to this passage and we emphasize this concept of who is your neighbor, and it's extremely important. It's absolutely vital for us to understand. And Jesus goes to show him that his neighbor is even the people that he doesn't think are his neighbors or want to be his neighbors. I just want us to take a different perspective on that. Think about the teacher at this particular point, about Jesus himself. He's just gotten the right answer to the question, but he's wondering whether this man is actually willing to do what he knows he's supposed to do. Do it, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself. Yeah, like saying, sure, we can go on vacation. I'll take you wherever you want as long as I don't have to be all there. Stick with me, because I'm not preaching on proper vacation choices this morning. I am, however, talking about doing the right thing when we know what the destination is and where we're all supposed to be going. The first thing is promise. And if you say you're going to be there and go there, then go there. Don't kind of be halfway there, like how disappointing it would be to take your family to the beach and then spend all your time on the phone still working. Next thing I want to unwrap is the concept of the place. This is what the expectation is in people's minds. Oh, we're going to the beach. Look at that beautiful beach house. It's going to be great. You know, rent this place down in OBX and I could finally get one of those stickers and put it on the back of my car and say, I've actually been there, right? You know? Yeah. You know, none of the shore stuff. I want to go to, you know, I want to go to the outer... beautiful, big home, life is full of things we can do, but what will we do, and how will we do it? It's nothing to go anywhere. The real trick is to get somewhere that's better than where we are, because, sadly, hmm, this can become the reality of the place that we go to. You know, we didn't really look into it as carefully as we should have. It was a last-minute little cheap flyer that showed up in the mail, and I need to hurry up and make a decision. And so I called, and the lady seemed nice. And you get there, and it's not what we expected it to be. Yikes. This is where we ended up. Is there really a place in the Bible that talks about this concept? Yeah, actually, there's a couple of them, but... uh, My thoughts go to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, actually. Corinthians is a letter that's filled with struggles of normal people needing to make uh, important decisions over what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is better, what is good and what is best. And Paul spends a lot of time trying to help them see how to make these choices. Because these people are actually fighting over all kinds of stuff. the beginning of the letter, they're fighting over who's their favorite preacher. And then as it moves along, they're, they're fighting about what it means to be a better Christian than another one. And, and then as it keeps going, it ends up talking about what kinds of meat they actually eat and what butcher shop they should buy it from. Literally. That's what they're fighting over. Now, some of the things in this letter had implications that were very important spiritually. They weren't all just silly arguments, but Paul ends up returning to overriding principles that help us navigate the details of of reaching this destination, of, of really being all that we're supposed to be. And he says in chapter 10, verse 31, so... Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever preacher you like better than the other one, whatever decision you're making you think is better than another person's, listen, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Chapter 10, verse 31. What would God think? What does God think? What is best for Him? We find the same argument uh, in Colossians chapter 3. Uh, where Paul speaks to the Colossians about the same idea. And he says in verse 17 of chapter 3, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Just like he said to the Corinthians. And then he goes on to say, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. For you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord you are serving. Now, stick with me. I'm not talking about proper vacation destinations and making sure you don't just end up in a house like that. I am talking about doing well whatever we do. When we have a determined destination in mind and we're going there, how are we going to go there? How well are we going to go there? Stick with me. Then there's the time that we're going to have with each other. And this is the expectation that everybody has in mind, right? This is going to be great. We're going to be uh, at this amusement park and doing all these different things. And, and it, it all sounded so good when, when you planned it because you were really just looking for an escape. But the destination wasn't really all that. In fact, it it ended up becoming a distraction because instead of dealing with issues that were really there, you 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 kind of decided, well, this vacation will be all about uh, kind of fixing all those problems. But when you showed up, this is what you end up with. Yeah, it was all going to be so great. It's a nice little cafe. We're going to go get. And nobody's happy. Nobody's talking to each other, nobody's getting along. Just put your family situation over the faces in this particular picture and think of what might have been the discussion just before this happened. Somebody wanted something they couldn't get. Somebody wanted to go somewhere they couldn't go. Somebody wanted uh, 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 uh. And vacation was supposed to fix it. We were going to go to that place, and it was all going to be better. Yeah, maybe not. Matthew chapter 18 is a critical passage in this regard. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus, it, seem, it seems, talks about several different things, but it's interesting. He's really all around this one issue of how we are spending time with each other how we care for each other. You see, by this time in Jesus' ministry in in chapter 18, much has happened. We're not far from the Passion Week and and his crucifixion. The transfiguration has actually already happened. These disciples have been following Jesus for three years now. You would think they would have gotten this whole spiritual family thing down and were relating to each other the way that they should. Instead, they're not. They're arguing over who's going to be greatest. They're sitting in the cafe going, but that's what I want. How come I can't get it? And so Jesus speaks to it in a few ways. First of all, he talks about the children. He says, you know, (laughs) look at these ones. It's this kind of love and devotion. It's this simple faith that I'm looking for. Why can't you be like that? Why are you complicating this whole thing? I asked you to follow me. And now you're fighting over when we get to heaven, who's going to get what? Well, that wasn't enough. He then has to go and talk to him about this shepherd who has a hundred sheep. And even if he just has one that's lost, he's going to leave the rest of them to go and get that. What he's saying in this is, I love many, but I value each one too. And every one of you is important. And the way you're treating that person right now is one of the ones that I love. Why would you do that? And then he later in the chapter goes into, well, okay, so what happens when somebody does sin against you and offend you? And he very clearly lists out what you're supposed to do. Why don't you go sit down and talk with that person? We run into this kind of thing in our lives all the time. And the last thing we want to do is actually go and sit down and talk with that person. It's easy. It's real simple. I mean, it's simple. It's just not easy, right? It's simple. Go talk to the person. If that's not going to work, okay, then take somebody with you. And you know what? It goes through these steps. The later steps of this process most of the time are not necessary if you will just go and talk with The selfishness of our pursuits is the wedge that divides our relationships. So stop talking to yourself about the difficulties you have with someone else and strike up a conversation with them and once it's started, shut up and listen. Why don't you try that? When you have a difficulty with someone else, stop talking to yourself about it because I know you're just like me. You rehearse it over and over and over in your mind stop talking to yourself go and have a conversation with that person get it going and then be quiet and listen be amazed what kind of perspective you might pick up what misunderstandings might all of a sudden become understood what things might be solved before they get bigger than we can handle you see When we're headed to a destination, the point of our going is also to be going together. I'm not talking about vacation etiquette. I am talking about spending time with each other when we have determined a destination that we are all headed towards, that we do this together. So let me review. We've determined the destination. You can see I'm referring to last week. I'll come back to that. And we've said, let's do, right, let's do the right thing as we go. Let's do it well as we go. And let's do this with others that we go with. There is no journey that we're supposed to take that is a, an individual journey. My next point. We're supposed to do this together in fun together. Now this was the expectation that, that we have when we think about this great vacation. Um, I'm just going to superimpose what's happened uh, because the car is packed and they're all smiling. Uh, do you have that situation uh, or is everybody by the time you get in the car ready to kill each other? Um, we leave early on our vacations and um, so uh, you know we don't always have big smiles It's just, show me where the seat is, give me my pillow, and let me go to sleep. And I like that personally myself, too, because then, you know, people are sleeping for half the trip. That's a good deal. These guys apparently didn't have to go very far, so they have all worked so nicely together to pack the car and get it all set. Look at them. They're just smiling away. That's the expectation. It's not only uh, a matter of going somewhere, but it's, it's doing what we're doing together. Vacation is not just about getting away. It's about sharing the journey along the way, right? Wisest man on earth said, Solomon in Ecclesiastes, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We're meant to do this together. But unfortunately, this can become... The reality. Got to study this one a little bit, but um, how often is this the case? Big, beautiful beach home. We get there. Dishes get dirty because everybody wants to eat. And then the sun comes out, and it's Father's Day. So he gets to go outside and sit on there and soak in the sun, and the kids are playing, and, and mom gets to watch out the window. Yeah, that's disappointing, isn't it? Aren't we supposed to be in this together? Principle in the Bible. I shared what I did out of Ecclesiastes early in the Bible, but as the Bible unfolds, it becomes increasingly specific about the ways that we're supposed to do things. So this concept, showing up in Ephesians, takes on an even more specific description He says in Ephesians chapter 2, you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. You're built on a foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises up to become a holy temple. And in him, you too are being built up together and become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. We're supposed to be Not only going together, but working at this together, being built up and strengthened in the process along the way. Now, I don't think that we happen to have the corner on selfishness in the United States, but we might have the market share when it comes to individualism. Why can I travel across this country and I go through big cities and I can drive through the HOV lane with two people in my car? That always strikes me. It only requires two people to drive in an H-O- in a high-occupancy vehicle lane. That's the definition of high-occupancy vehicle in the United States. Two cars, two people, I mean. Two people. The car sits five at least, or seven. Yet I can go in that lane if I've got two people because most cars have one person in them. We're so individualistic. Everything has to be about me, And that's a tendency that if we as a church understand ourselves as a spiritual family are going to have to fight over and over and over because it's deep in our American DNA. Now, stick with me. I'm not preaching on proper vacation chore distribution. I am talking about working together when we have determined that we're going to a certain destination. Now, humor me just one more time, if you would, with one more thing I want to say, that something must be there for each and every one of us. This is the expectation that is in the mind of some that want adventure and fun. You know, yeah, we're going to go to this theme park and there's this great water ride and there's this one part where you come down and everybody's screaming and it's great fun. This is going to be, I love adventure. But if we're all going it should be a destination and a journey that includes anyone and everyone who wants to join it. Because unfortunately this can be what happens. Bummer. Notice what it says. No exceptions. Sorry. You're too short. You're too young. You're too old. You're different. You can't go there. You don't belong here. That must never happen. As we, as a spiritual family, move towards a destination, it must be a destination that everyone can arrive at and something that everyone can enjoy. It it is something that has something for every person. One of the implications are in the reports. I'll talk a little bit more about this next Sunday, but one of the things that we're proposing as we get to the fall is multiple services. One of the reasons that we believe we need to do that is because we have some issues about people's souls and hearts being touched in worship in a way that is meaningful to them. Certainly at the adult level, as we've try and struggle with the issue of blended services and preferences that are there we believe it's time to speak to some of those preferences but you know what gaping hole we believe we're supposed to gather large and we're supposed to gather small you'll read that in the report and we define it very specifically we've got a huge gaping hole our elementary age children and their families don't have a place to worship together And so you'll find an exciting proposal and a brand new idea that we're just unfolding now and getting ready for and and we're making some changes physically to our building so that there is a place for families with their small children to worship in a way that it's not too tall for the little one. On the contrary, it's aimed at that little one together with their parents worshiping in a way they haven't worshiped before really exciting idea. Time-sensitive, space-sensitive, very, very creative and exciting way of saying, you know what, you little one? You belong here too. And you're so important. And your family is so important. We're going to help you do this together in a very special way. Because we are a body In fact, Paul goes back to that metaphor with Corinthians, and he says, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. For we're all baptized by one spirit into one body, may I add, no matter who you are or where you come from, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, and he goes on to explain how these parts need each other. Stick with me. I'm not preaching on vacation activity planning and make sure you don't go to a theme park when your kid's too short. I'm talking about loving who is different from you when we have decided that we're all going to the same place. Now, let me see if I can draw this all together so you understand my purpose in using this vacation illustration. How do we perpetuate our walk with God, our humble walk with Him? Well, I said last week, the first thing we have to figure out is where are we going? What is the destination? And we must define that. Why do we exist? And Bethlehem Church exists to touch people with God's message. And he has made that abundantly clear to us. It is what he is all about. And so his message becomes this focus, which is about reaching and redeeming the world. That's the what, this message. But without... The who, it's impersonal, and we prayed before. God is personal. So it must be about that message touching all people. And that means you, individually, must respond to it, but not you alone. Everyone must. And then, in order for that to happen, so many times it must happen because somebody has been touched by that message. The days of just proclaiming and saying it and getting the word out there are long gone. Investing in the lives of others are what it must be about. Caring about individuals, making a difference that creates a credibility so that person says, okay, there really isn't some other agenda here. They genuinely care about me. We must touch people, all people, with God's message. So that's the destination. But then, today, I've been talking about the journey of getting to that destination. And that's why the right side of this playing field that you see up there is, is in big letters. This is how we're going to behave collectively. Do you see the notes in your bulletin? And I put these in great detail on the back side so it's a white sheet that's in your bulletin. Take a look at that. Go back. You'll see the passages that I spoke from uh, today, and you can review those. But this is my point that's listed so clearly on the backside of that sheet of paper. We are on this journey as a family, and that's going to mean some very specific behavior if we're going to do it together as a family. That means doing the right thing, practicing integrity in your promise to go on this journey. If you believe that God really wants the world, all people to be touched by His message, well then... Sell yourself to it. Jesus said, you know the answer. Now do it. Don't disappoint me. Don't redefine neighbor. It's all people. You know that you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. You're supposed to share the same love that I shared with you, with them. Don't redefine who that is. Or don't join the journey. Practice integrity. If it's really all about God's message, well then, let's not make promises we can't keep. Let's commit ourselves to doing what we know is the right thing to do. Then do it well. Pursue excellence in it. Life is full of good things. What we need to do is is pursue what is best to do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. What would Jesus say about what I'm doing for him? Am I doing it well enough? Am I pursuing excellence in everything that I do? Then, I'm in this together with other people. Listen and talk to each other. Engage in conversation. The selfishness of our pursuits is the wedge that divides our relationships. So stop talking to yourself. Start a conversation with someone else. And then listen. Jesus said there are going to be problems along the way. It's not easy, but it's simple. Talk to each other. And then work together. Value partnerships. Nobody is doing this alone. We don't have the corner on selfishness. That sin is worldwide and rampant. But we just happen to be really good at the individualistic expression of that in this country. And we're going to have to fight that. Culturally to make sure that we are valuing the partnerships of those around us. And then love those that are different. Embrace diversity that is naturally going to exist when all people can be touched by this message. There cannot be a bar that says someone's not tall enough, good enough, old enough, young enough. Our differences must become our strengths as we grow and embrace the diversity that should be our hallmark. That must be how we behave collectively. That's the next thing I want you to see. The destination is absolutely clear. And then, how are we going to behave as a spiritual family as we move in that direction? Lots to unwrap there. But I just want you to understand this one point. We are a spiritual family, we're not a service organization. We do not exist to serve your spiritual needs. We don't, isn't the place where you just come and I want this spiritual service and that spiritual service and that spiritual service. Some may do that, but that's not why we're here. We're not a service organization. We're a spiritual family. We are a large extended family and we must make an effort to live as if we were related. Now, one more thing that I wrote on there. It's very important. It's not about knowing everyone because you don't have to go very far before you can't know everybody. It's simply knowing that everyone matters. We want everyone to be known, and that's why we believe we should gather large and gather small so that people have a place to connect, so people do know them and they care about them, and they they know their needs, and they find a place to serve others. And Everyone must know someone, but not everyone must know everyone. We just must know that every single one matters. That's what it means to be a family, to stick up for each other to understand that that one is a part of my family. Outside of the nuclear family that we have uh, in our society, uh, the church is absolutely unique in this, I believe, to really do what we're supposed to do. Now, it's, we attempt to do it. We attempt to do it uh, socially in different ways. How many remember the TV series Cheers? How many can sing the theme song? where everybody knows your name and they're glad you came, right? And uh, there are those that actually argue the, the bar is the closest uh, secular parallel to the church. Yeah, the only problem with that is um, it is impermanent and it is superficial. Not to talk about the substance that can actually... Uh, alter our uh, well-being in the moment. (laughs) It's superficial and it's impermanent because those relationships are based on that particular place. Do they go outside of that place? We try and do it with clubs, but clubs clubs are exclusive and selective. You only join it because you do that particular thing or you're a part of that particular activity. That doesn't work either because then you're excluding certain people. Or sometimes we... We do it in business because we're all in this together. Yeah, but then motives are suspect because I'm happy to relate to you as long as you're going to help me with my, you know, clientele list or whatever. The church really is the only place outside of the nuclear family where the idea of true godly relationship, the way God intended relationships to exist, can exist in a broader context. Only the Bible gives a framework for this kind of life-determining relationship. And it does so by listing out, among others, these things that I've talked about today. It's simple. It's just not easy. We can spend, and we will the rest of our lives, Working, walking and working this journey on our way and God will accomplish what he wants as long as we don't have to be perfect in it. That's what I'm going to get to next week. All the imperfect people, by the way, for all these standards that I've set up for this week and last week, all the imperfect people, would you please show up next week because I want to speak to you about it. So I expect to see all of you <clears throat> because these standards are high and these things are, wow, well, you've to be kidding. That's, oh, that may be a little bit more than I was planning on, you know, kind of selling out for. Come back next week great place for imperfect people. I just want us to understand what we're aiming for and what we believe we are about. God's made us a family. That should matter to all of us and to each one of us. May he give us the grace to behave like a family. Let's pray together. So much that you've revealed to us, Lord, is Simple, just not easy. And we ask you for your grace to give us strength and wisdom as we seek to do all that we do to glorify you, to think about what you would do and what you would have us do. And would you strengthen us in the process and give us your wisdom? May we not be confused by the complexity of all of it, but just continue to remember to bind together in love all that you have instructed us, to make it about being together what you want us to be, that as we journey, as we look forward to a marvelous destination, as we seek to accomplish what you've given us to do, we truly would be the family that you want us to be. Large, small, old and young. From all different backgrounds and places. So that truly, people would see your church for what it is. Your children, bound together in your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gentlemen, would you come for the offering now?